Christ himself is going to reign, rule and reign here on the earth. It says with a rod of iron, what does that mean? That means that uh, there's not going to be a, uh, well, you can follow him if you want to, and if you don't, you don't. Ruling with a rod of iron means he's going to get his way. And funny thing is, when Jesus gets his way, the Bible tells us that there won't be war, there won't be famine, lion will lay down with the lamb, the kids will stick their hands in the adder's nest, that when Jesus is ruling and reigning, things are way better. You guys believe that? I'm looking forward to that. But I believe that that principle applies right now. When he rules and reigns, things are better. Things are much better. Doesn't mean you'll be without uh, obstacles or persecution or trouble. Because Jesus said, if anybody wants to follow me, get ready. People will hate you like they hated me. The Apostle Paul said, anybody that lives, desires to live a godly life will be persecuted. So he's not saying it will be without its, without its trial or without its trouble. But he is saying this, it'll be infinitely better because he's in charge. And he, of course, said, take, take heart, take cheer. I've overcome the world. That's a big deal. And so for us tonight... Uh, we, we just make room for him in our hearts that he'll be Lord of my heart. One of the ways that you uh, let the, him be Lord and you, and you demonstrate his lordship in your life is that you're led by what he says, right? Jesus said, I'm a good shepherd. My sheep follow me because they hear my voice and they follow. They know my voice. Which tells us that the only way you're ever going to follow Jesus is to hear his voice, right? So why we gathered, why did we get together on a Wednesday night and get Bibles out? Why did we get together on Wednesday night and, and, and just let somebody talk at us? Is it so that you can go, you can go the next day and said, I put in my time, I, I, I'm, I'm doing two services a week? Is it so that you can know a little bit more than the Christian who lives next door? Or... Is it that we expect that tonight God is going to speak to us? And if God's going to speak to us, we're going to hear his voice. And our response is not just I heard his voice and I learned something. Thank God for learning something. But you shouldn't have just come to church to learn something. Right? This isn't college. This is church. Now, the church is not the building and the church is not the service. We're the church. We know that. But this is a gathering of believers. We didn't come here just to learn something. You came here to hear his voice. And the response to hearing the voice of God is to first and foremost give your amen to it. That's what the scripture says. Give our amen. What does that mean? So be it. Let it be done in me. I agree. Let, open your heart and say yes to God. And when you say yes to God, then you follow wherever his voice leads. So the real purpose of me getting up and talking tonight is not that you'd be educated, but that you would be transformed. As we go through the book of 1 Thessalonians, I get, I'm, I'm fully aware that already, you know, it's, it's a great thing to be able to say at the beginning, we're going to read this book, we're going to study it verse by verse. But you know what happens when you decide to go through a, a book of the Bible verse by verse? You come across awkward topics and you can't skip them. I think it's really good not to be able to skip awkward topics because I think, you know, the Bible says every scripture is inspired by God or God breathed. And every scripture is useful. It's useful for reproof, rebuke. It's useful for exhortation. It's useful for training in righteousness. It's useful for you. It'll be profitable for you. And tonight, 
we've come across that section of Scripture that talks about honoring and esteeming. You know, already through going through 1 Thessalonians, we've talked about sexual immorality. You realize I have to stand up here and talk about, when I had to talk about sexual immorality, I have to stand up here and make eye contact with people while we talk about that? that that's not always easy. Because <laughs> people think, what are, you, what are you talking about me for? I'm not talking about you. <laughs> what do you know? I mean, I don't know, you know? And then we get, we get further down, we, you know, in 1 Thessalonians 4, and, and it comes time to talk about work. Talk about how everybody should work with their hands and provide for the, you know, not only work for your hands for your own self, but to give, but it says everybody should mind your business. Work with your hands. When you make eye contact with people while you're saying we should mind our business, people get offended too. Not offended, but a little nervous because they think you're telling me I'm not minding my business. Then we started talking about the return of Christ. Let me tell you, there are very few topics in the church that are less controversial, more controversial, sorry, than talking about the return of Christ and other end times theology. But you understand that these are very important things for us to talk about. And we could get up here and talk about our opinions all day long, or we could get into the Word and see what the Lord has to say. When we hear what the Lord has to say, we have direction. And we should not use that direction just to say, I'm educated. We should use that direction to say, now I know how to walk. Now I'm empowered to be like him because I've heard his voice and I'm going to follow. Following Jesus means you go where he goes, right? It's not following him does not mean you are just a, um, an audience member watching what he does. It means you're going to go where he goes. Watch what the disciples did. The disciples were not just a traveling group of audience members. They had to go where Jesus went and eventually they had to do what Jesus did, Right? That's what it means to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. So as we come into 1 Thessalonians 5 and, and carry on, we're going to talk about something that's, a, it's even a little awkward for me to talk about this, if I'd be perfectly honest, because it's talking about honoring those that teach you. And I'm one of those people. And so sometimes it's not fun talking about this because it makes you feel like you're telling people, hey, you should treat me nice. But that's really not my goal tonight right? <laughs> That's really not my goal tonight. It's the same thing when you start talking about giving. You know, people say, well, are you just talking about giving so that you can get people to give more money and you have more money in the church? Of course not. But you just would not be a good pastor if you didn't teach the people what the Bible says about giving. Just like if you didn't teach the people what the Bible says about salvation or about love or all these other things. It's pretty important. So we got to teach the word in season and out, right? Preach the word in season and out. So I'm going to stand up here and I want you to know I'm not trying to get you to honor me a little bit more because I believe that honor should never be demanded. It should be demonstrated. So you should see in everyone around you honor for one another. The Bible does not just say that we honor the people on stage. That is nowhere in the scripture. In fact, the scripture says that we should honor one another. We should honor the brotherhood. We should honor each other. And in fact, it says we should outdo one another in honor. Like if we're going to compete over something, we should compete. We should be competing over how much we can honor one another, how much we can serve one another. That's a godly comp. Now, you don't actually compete. There will be no trophies for this. But there'll be rewards in heaven, right? Jesus said, if you want to be great in my kingdom, I'll tell you how to be great. Serve everybody. 
said the greatest guy in my kingdom is going to be the one that served everybody else. So there is a trophy. It's just not coming from, from the church. It's come from Jesus himself. Of course, we don't play for trophies, do we? There's a point of debate. Maybe we do. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. Now, that's an interesting thought already. There's already something that people would bristle about in 2017, that someone would have charge over you in the Lord. You know, in the kingdom of God, nobody's forced to submit to anybody else, not forced to submit to even Jesus. That's a free choice you make. And so here in the age of individuality, it's tough for somebody to say, somebody has charge over me. In fact, we could all say, well, Jesus has charge over me, but certainly no person does. You might bristle over the scripture in the book of Hebrews that says, submit to those who have the rule over you and do it in such a way that when they give an, as those who care for your soul, and do it in such a way that when they give an account for you, that they might do so with joy and not with sorrow. And it says this would be profitable for you. That's, that's one of those things that's hard for people in this day and age to accept because what you're saying is that you're allowing somebody to have a place in your life where they can say, I, I think you're off where they can correct you, where they can encourage you, where they can tell you you need to fit over here. Now listen, nobody, no human being will ever be your high priest. No human being will ever be your savior besides Jesus Christ. Jesus is our high priest. He's our savior. He's our leader. He's our master. He's our Messiah. No person can fill that role. No person can fill the role of the Holy Spirit. And yet, God puts people in our lives who have a place in our life, and we have to let them have that place in our life, but they have a place in our life of authority that comes from God. That's sometimes difficult because, you know, we say, well, who has the right to tell me what to do? You know how many tattoos this day and age that, that people have walking around that you see walking through the mall or you see walking through an amusement park that would say, only God can judge me. You know, it's kind of a cool thing to put on your arm now. Only God can judge me. Well, that's cute. But, but what are you saying when you say that? What you're saying is, I'm going to do what I feel like, and only God can judge me. Most of those people aren't actually expecting that someday God will judge them for anything. They're just, they're just saying, you don't judge me. But here, and we're not judging, but here we are in a position where you've probably let somebody in your life that as unto the Lord, you've let them speak into your life, You've let them have a role in your life. And you know what? You can walk away from that relationship. Nobody's forcing you to it. But God puts those relationships in our life so that we would grow. I have those relationships. There are people who would phone me right now and say, Jonathan, get a plane ticket, fly out here. I need to talk to you. And I would do it without any second question. And it's not because I'm, I'm just a sheep. It's not because I have no free will. But it's because I have submitted my life to those over me so that God can use them as a source of blessing, as a source of encouragement, as a source of correction. Because I realize that I'm not smart enough to see all my blind spots. I'm not clever enough to know everything. I need somebody in my life that God put there 
to talk to me face to face. And yes, he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And I can hear from him and I can hear his voice. And the anointing that abides within is able to teach me all things. But I'm not arrogant enough to believe that I can do this without having somebody speaking into my life. And so here he says, we request of you, brethren. Now, it's interesting because you know, even in this letter, there are times where he straight up demands things. Here it's not a demand, it's a request. But he says, we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those, literally says to know or to acknowledge, to, to, to really be aware of those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord. That's important, right? You know, if you were in the army and you joined the army and you were submitted to, because you joined as a private, you're submitted to those in, uh, that rank above you. You do what they tell you. But you know what? If they step out of authority, if they're not under their authority anymore, if they go rogue, you don't have to listen to them anymore, do you? Do you? You guys know this, right? I mean, you listen to them because they represent a higher authority. The centurion said to Jesus, I am a man under authority, so I know that I can say come and they come, I say go and they go. He didn't say I'm a man who has authority, he said I'm a man under authority. Because I'm under the authority of Caesar, when I tell that guy go and I tell that guy come, he has to listen to me as if he's listening to Caesar because I'm representing Caesar. So we can't have authority if we're not submitted to authority, isn't that right? So I can't go and say I have authority if I'm not submitted, number one, to the authority that God's placed in my life and above all to his authority. If I go rogue, I have no right to tell anybody anything. But when we're submitted to one another in love, we submit to Christ, we're submitted to those that God places over us, there is a blessing over that. Might have been tough to be a guy like Elisha. Follow Elijah around. Elijah was a great man of God, wasn't he? Great prophet of God. In fact, uh, three people show up on the Mount of Transfiguration, which three people are, are standing there on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. It's Elijah that God says, before my coming, I'm going to send someone in the spirit of Elijah. Elijah was one of the greatest prophets to walk the earth, and yet the guy was a bipolar, manic-depressive kind of guy who was really difficult to be around. One day he's on a high. The same day, the next day, he says, I'm all alone. I want to kill myself. When he says, Elisha, follow me, and Elisha says, well, hang on, I just got to finish this. Elijah walks away and says, what do I have to do with you? And throws him his coat and just leaves. I mean, can you imagine following a guy like that? Flies off the handle. And, I mean, we get offended at the smallest thing. Someone raises our, their voice at us. We want to move out of town. We don't want to have anything to do with them. And yet, Elisha was blessed because he had followed and served Elijah and he didn't do it because Elijah was the greatest guy alive. He did it as unto the Lord. In the new covenant, we submit to one another, the scripture says in Ephesians, submit to one another in reverence for Christ. That's tough, isn't it? You know, you realize in, in the early church that they had slaves who were of a lower class. They had people that were barbarians that had joined the church, been born again, that were viewed as kind of the, the hicks of the group, kind of unsophisticated. And yet, 
You might be someone of very high society in, in uh, one of these early Greek or Roman cities, and you might come to church, and your pastor is somebody that you wouldn't even look, look at on the street, and now he's the one uh, giving instruction to you in the church. And they learned how to submit in the reverence for Christ rather than just in the reverence for that person. It says here that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. I want you to hear that, that we esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Esteem someone highly means you hold them as you hold this in high value and you do it in love. And it's not just for those that you see on the stage or you see uh, walking around who seem to have a position of authority. I'm reminded in the book of Philippians when Paul said that Epaphroditus had come to help him and he said, he refreshed me in my chains. And when I was in prison, he came and he helped me and he blessed me. And he said, he even got so sick, we thought he was going to die. And you guys were worried about him. But now I'm sending him back. He's okay. He survived. I'm sending him back home. Remember, Epaphroditus, the Bible doesn't say he preached one sermon. The Bible doesn't say he ever had a speaking gig or, or a ministry gig somewhere. The Bible doesn't say he had anything about him that made him look important Except this, he served somebody when they were in a position where they needed it. And when Paul sends him back, he says, I want you to hold men like this in high esteem. What kind of people do we hold in high esteem? People that are laying their lives down for the body of Christ. And that should be all of us. What should we value in the church? We should value servanthood. We should value ministering to one another's needs. We should value the kind of people that put others first. We should value the kind of attitude that says, I want to be great by being a servant of all. That should hold high value in the church. More than somebody who just ha seems like they have it all together. What we should value above all is somebody who is a servant. So that means your leaders, listen, leaders in the church are not like leaders in the world. That's what Jesus' disciples thought it was going to be like, right? And they said, who's going to get to sit next to you? Who's going to get the position of honor? And Jesus said, you know, with the Gentiles, when they get a position of power, they use it. And they lord it over one another. And they boss each other around. And they control one another with it. He said, but it's not so with you. In fact, if you want to be great in my kingdom, and we've quoted this already tonight, you've got to learn to be a servant of all. The one who wants to be great and wants to be in charge is going to be a slave. He's going to make himself a slave to many. So we're different than the world. And in the world, leadership means throwing your weight around. In the church, leadership means laying your life down. Right? So I realize that, you know, here I am standing up here. I realize that the moment I said, okay, Lord, I'll be a pastor, that meant that my life wasn't mine. Now, my life wasn't mine when I got saved, right? But it really meant that my life wasn't mine. When if I gave my life to the ministry, I had to say, it's not about me anymore. There are things that, that aren't going to be important enough for me to lay aside what God called me to do. And we all have to do that. Not just the, uh, somebody that's a pastor or somebody that's a traveling evangelist or whatever. We all got to do that. He says, you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another.
in this day and age, it's kind of an egalitarian, everybody's equal kind of society. And that's good. And there's a lot of good that comes from that. But uh, there's something to be said about honoring people and honoring the grace and the gifts that God sends to us. You know, a couple weeks ago, we had a guest speaker here. And I quoted to you, I read from you uh, from the book of Third John when it says that when God sends someone to speak to us, we would do well to treat them well, to treat them very, and hold them in honor. But it says we would do well to send them away, send them out in a manner worthy of God. For they went out for the sake of the name, it says, not expecting anything from the Gentiles. And they've done this. And it says we would do good to support them. It would be profitable for us to support them and, and, and be partners and sharers in the ministry that they're in. And I get caught on that phrase a lot. Send them out. Send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. That's a big thought. Because, you know, our first instinct is to send them on a way in a manner worthy of them. But we treat them as we would treat God. Now, can I ask you a question? Is there any person that deserves that? To be treated like to be honored in the same way we'd honor the Lord? No. I mean, look, he gave his life for us. He died on the cross. I mean, he, he's done everything. He, even before that, he's the creator of all things. He's, he's high above all things. He's worthy of the highest praise and the highest glory and the highest honor. And yet, here's what the scripture is saying. The way we treat the people that God sends to us, we treat them in such a way that we are not honoring them. We're honoring God. So as I honor God by treating this guest speaker well, somebody might come in and say, that guy's just a man. And you know, we should just, we shouldn't, we shouldn't treat him like he's so special. He's just a man. Don't you think he knows he's just a man? Don't you think he knows that? He's aware of that. It's not about what he wants. It's about how we honor the Lord. And when we say, God, we want to honor you. You sent someone to minister to us. We're grateful. We want to honor the gift on someone's life. We want to honor the grace on someone's life. I'm not honoring the person. I'm honoring God. There's a scene from a, a, a miniseries where it was based on World War II. It was actually based on a true story. Um, uh, a man wrote a book about his experiences as a paratrooper in World War II. And they made a miniseries about it. And there's a scene in that miniseries which is based on events that actually happened where a captain who had been in charge of these guys back at, when they were training at base camp, they ran, they ran across him again once they were overseas. And he hadn't been promoted from captain. He was still captain. In fact, he'd been knocked down a little bit because he, he had done some things wrong. And one of the men that was under him when he was back training, and he was training these guys, and when they were all coming up in base camp, they're coming up and being trained for war, one of these guys had actually now outranked him. And this man was driving in a Jeep. And they pulled to the side and they saw this captain. And nobody liked this captain. This captain had a very bad reputation because he was the kind of guy that took pleasure in uh, making, making everybody kind of feel bad about themselves. He was the kind of guy that, that just seemed to go out of his way to make everybody miserable. And he saw this man that had once been under him now outranked him. And he looked at him and he kind of looked away. And the guy in the Jeep says, Captain, Captain Sobel, 
Captain Sobel keeps walking. Captain Sobel. And he finally looks at him. He says, you salute the rank, not the man. He was correcting the captain because the captain refused to salute this guy. He said, you salute the rank, not the man. His point was, you're not saluting me. You're you're saluting the rank. You're honoring the rank that's here. And I think about that when we honor the gifts that God sends us. We're not honoring the person. We're honoring the grace that God has sent, the gifts that God has sent. And by doing so, we enable ourselves to receive from them. Let's look at something in the, in the book of Mark. And, and this is really where we'll spend the rest of our time. I want you to see how important it is. We won't spend a lot of time on it, but it's important. It's important that we understand why we should honor. First of all, because God commands it. If God commands it, don't, that's enough, right? Right? I mean, we got to get away from this what's in it for me attitude, right? Where you have to wait for somebody to prove in the word that, it, that it's it'll work out for you nice if you do it before you do something. First and foremost, if the Lord says it, we should just do it. But you know what? Here's the great thing about God. When he gives a command, there is almost always, there's, it's a blessing to you. It's a blessing to follow his command. It always is a blessing to you. And so, you know, we don't wait to say what's in it for me, but I will tell you that his commandments are so often attached to promises. And it will be a blessing for you to honor the Lord. In Mark chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus went out from there, came into his own hometown, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And the many listeners were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? And such miracles as those perform, these performed by his hands. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown, and among his own relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no miracle there except that he laid laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered at their unbelief, and he was going around the villages teaching. How would you like to be the one town that has the dubious distinction of being the place that Jesus really couldn't do much in the way of mighty works? Except save a few sick people. Now, I love that. You know, healing a few sick people was not like a big deal. Could do nothing big, just heal a few sick people. That just shows you the greatness of Jesus, right? But, but how would you like to be the town that has the reputation? Jesus went around the whole countryside doing mighty works, except in my hometown, And the reason was, what did he say? The reason was their unbelief. But where did their unbelief come from? Yeah. They did not honor him because they got offended at him. Why did they get offended at him? Did they get offended because when Jesus was a boy in their hometown, he bullied them? No. Do you think Jesus egged their houses? No. Jesus was without sin. I mean, if anybody was a perfect kid, it would have been Jesus. Now, don't believe the little stories that say that he made a clay pigeon and it flew away. Don't believe those dumb little stories. Those aren't true. He wasn't, he wasn't doing those, you know, they don't say, I remember he did miracles back then. They say nothing of that. But what they do say is he lived amongst us. He wasn't a bad kid. He didn't cause them, he didn't do anything wrong to them. But the thing that they're offended at is that they know him too well. They just know him too well. 
Now think about it. Which one of us could stand up to that standard? I think, I think it's, a, it's a great, hilarious joke that the Lord played on me <laughs> after reading this verse, that the two places that I've been called to pastor are the only two places in the world I've ever lived. <laughs> so the two churches I pastor, I can look out and see people that knew me when I was a toddler. And somehow God made it work so that the people that have known me since I was a toddler don't treat me like they knew me since I was a toddler. And I think that's a lot of credit to them more than it is to me. It's a credit to them that they allowed their heart to shift. But Jesus' hometown, they didn't let him do that. Even though Jesus would have been a perfect kid, perfect neighbor, their big problem with him is, well, we knew him. We know him. His brothers are here. His sisters are with us. And this the kid grew up around us. Because they did not honor him, then they could not believe in him. They had no faith. Without honor, there's not faith. And without faith, you can't receive from God. Right? Where we honor the people that God sends us, the gifts amongst us. And I mean that we should have honor from the top to the bottom. Whatever you consider the top and whatever you consider the bottom, there should be honor in the church. Honor for those that clean the bathrooms. Honor for those that win souls in the streets. Honor for those that preach from the pulpit. Honor for those that shake hands at the door. But honor for the work of the Lord. And the people we honor, the gifts that we honor, we allow faith to come. You know, the Bible says, Paul said, and he actually says it to this church later on in the next letter. But he says, when we came to you, you receive what we had to say, not as a word from man, but for what it really is, a word from God. And it's that word which performs its work in you. In other words, the reason that God's word is working in your life is that when we preached, you didn't just say, well, that's Paul's opinion. You said, that's God speaking. And the moment you began to accept that God was using a person was the moment that you opened your heart, that faith could come in the word of God because there's no faith in the word of man. The Bible doesn't say faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Jonathan. It doesn't say faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of, of, of your favorite preacher on TV, your favorite author or whatever. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But how are you going to hear the word of God? So often you hear the word of God because God sent a person to preach it. Or God sent a person to encourage you, gave you a call. God sent a person to, to give you a word. God sent someone to pray with you. We allow ourselves to open our hearts to the gifts of God. And when we can get over the fact that we know them, because that familiarity killed their honor. The word here for they took offense comes from a Greek word, which is the same word we got our word scandal from. And it's a snare, it's a trap, it's a stumbling block. They tripped over Jesus. And the reason they tripped over him was not because he was dirty or smelly or he was a bad kid growing up. The reason they tripped over him is they just knew him too well. You know, it's very easy when you've been going to a church for enough times to get to know people so well that you can't see them as an instrument of God. So what's the solution? Leave and start fresh somewhere else? Or... Let your heart change. Say, I know Jared. And you say, well, I know Jared. And, and, and we went fishing together. And, you know, we, you know I've, I've seen him do this. And I've seen him do that. We've hung out so much. Honestly, it's hard for me to take him seriously. Well, that's my loss. 
Because if I have that attitude, God wants to use Jared to speak something that I need in my life or to minister to me in a way that I couldn't just get on my own. And if I can honor the grace of God on Jared and forget the fact that I know him real well and forget the fact that, you know, he's good at this and he's not so good at that, if I can just honor the fact that God's using this person and honor them because of that, then there's room for faith. And where there's room for faith, we receive grace. And grace is everything that God has to offer us through Jesus. So I'm going to close with this thought. If we would learn to outdo one another in honor, if we would learn to honor people because of the grace on their life. Now remember, Paul said, I am least qualified to be called an apostle, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. You could be a person that said, I'm not going to let that Paul guy preach to me. Don't you know he persecuted the church? Don't you know he killed Christians? Don't you know he threw them in jail? What right does he have to talk to me? Yeah, you can have that attitude, but you won't receive anything from the Lord that God wanted to give through this man. He said, by the grace of God, I say what I'm about to say to you. Now, if you would honor the grace on someone's life, now we should honor the grace on our own life. Do you know the Bible says you can be disqualified from certain roles? Because, you know, Paul didn't go around still doing the things he used to do. He had to leave those things. In fact, there's qualifications for being an elder. There's qualifications for being a deacon. There's qualifications for being an overseer or a pastor. There's qualifications for all these things. And some guys, they, they mess it up. And they have to be restored. And you shouldn't be listening to somebody that's saying one thing and and doing a completely other thing with his life. The Bible says we should have certain standards for those that teach us and certain standards for those that have authority in our lives. But nevertheless, they're still human beings. They're always going to be human beings. You may not like the way they talk. You may not like... The, the, you may not like how they, what kind of car they drive. You may not like the fact that they don't listen to the same music you listen to. You may not think that they're as smart as you. They might not be as smart as you, but the Bible doesn't tell us pick your smartest guy and let him be the pastor or pick the smartest guy and let him be the prophet. The, the Bible just says whoever the Lord calls, let him do what he's called to do, right? The smartest guy in the church might be cleaning the bathrooms. As long as he's doing what he's called to do, honor that man, honor that woman. Because when we honor somebody, we allow God to use them as a channel of blessing in our life. Those that we cannot honor, we won't receive from. And I will tell you from my own experience, I went through a season of life where I allowed familiarity to keep me from honoring the gifts of God in my life, the people that were speaking to me. And you know what? It was a dry season. And it was hard for me to get anything out of it. It was, was probably one of the toughest seasons of my Christian life because I did not learn how to honor and get over my familiarity with people. If you can't get over the fact that you know somebody well, you won't receive from them. But if you want to receive what God has, honor somebody as a gift from God. Whoever they are, honor them as a gift from God. The people you honor, the, the situations you show honor, those are areas you're going to receive from God. You would, you would do well, he says. You would do well to do this. It'll be profitable for you if you do this. You would do well to send this person away in a manner worthy of God. It'll be to your profit if you'll learn to honor 
the grace on someone's life. So we don't honor the ushers because they're big and tall. We don't honor the piano player because she's good at what she does, although she is. You don't honor the, the, the guy who's cutting the grass out there simply because, well, he does a better job than you do. You honor somebody because they're serving. You honor somebody because there's a grace in their life to do it. You honor God by honoring the people he sends into your life. If you can't learn that, you won't receive from them. And you'll sit around all day waiting for God to do something in your life. And God says, I'm trying. I keep sending people to you and you keep turning them away. If the only people you ever listen to and treat as a word from the Lord is an angel popping up in your room, you'll be waiting for a long time. God uses people. And if God wants to use people in your life, you're going to have to get over the fact that you know them. Are you going to have to get over the fact that they look funny? Are you going to have to get over the fact that they talk differently than you like? I've said this before, but none of us would have liked John the Baptist. Most of the prophets we would have found annoying. But the Bible says, believe the prophet and prosper. Right? We should be people of honor. Let's outdo one another in honor. Let's trip over ourselves trying to honor each other. Let's honor the Lord by honoring one another and honoring the gifts that God gives. And when we do that, there is blessing flowing because when you open your heart to honor, faith comes. And when faith comes, grace comes. And when we have that, we've got everything God wants for us. Amen? Stand up with me. Let's pray.